Aloha, we're glad you've joined us for this Reunion Hawaii Church podcast. These teachings by our pastoral team are recorded live during our weekly services in Honolulu, Hawaii. We hope you will be blessed by this teaching. I actually added this verse to what I'm going to say tonight. I really added it during pre-service prayer. The Lord just kept taking me to this passage of Scripture. That says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. And he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock. Gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Some of you sitting in this room tonight know what that's like. Your life was messed up, upside down, going in the wrong direction, all of that stuff. And the Lord literally reached down and just pulled you out of that and set your feet on a solid rock, put you on a straight path. I'm going to talk to you, come back to that and talk to you a little bit about that tonight. Um, some of you have uh, are movie buffs and you've watched a movie where they depict a character's lifespan you know over decades and so they'll have a, a child actor who plays the character as a child and then they got like a, a teenage actor and he plays the, the character as a teenager and then up through the adolescent a young adult and then maybe an older uh, middle aged or senior citizen kind of actor playing them later in life because the director recognizes that each one of those age ranges is a distinct transition point in life. School systems understand this. They, they separate like the youngest elementary kids from the, the intermediate kids because the intermediate kids are bad. They'll, you know, they'll mess the young one. No, 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 no. They, they, they separate them for their safety. They keep them the, and then the intermediate kids, you know, they, they're separated from the older kids in high school. And then high school kids are separated from kids in college. That's, that's kind of the way it works. So, I mean, we recognize that. Um, We've got a lot of people in this church who are in their like late 20s, early 30s. That's kind of a demographic like big spot for us. And you know if you're in that demographic, you're not the same person you were when you were a teenager. You're just not. You, when you were 17 or 18, you thought you knew everything. You had it all figured out, and then you hit 30, and you go like, man, I was stupid. I can't believe I thought I had it all figured out when I was 17. The old joke goes that a young man's talking about his dad. He said, you know, when I was, when I was 17, I thought my father was the stupidest man on the planet. And now that I'm 21, it's amazing how much he's learned in just these four years. So, going through life, there's these, these boundaries, there's these life transition points. 
and we find significant markers as we move through life. You come, you be, you're an infant and then suddenly you learn to walk and all of a sudden you're a toddler. You're not an infant anymore. And all the mothers are going like, oh, why can't he stay little? He, he was my baby and now he's running around into everything. You spend, the, you spend you know, the first year or two teaching them to stand up and speak up and all that and the rest of their life tell them to sit down and shut up you know because like, they just make that transition they're not the same anymore then you go from child to adolescent adolescent to young adult young adult to middle age middle aged senior citizen and you probably shift those boundaries a little according to your own life experience but we, those boundaries exist so I, I had this class in seminary I hated this class I just, I didn't like it at all, but it was just this required class. And we had to do this exercise called boundary processing. And at the time, it was like having like a three-week root canal doing that excitement. I just didn't like anything about that assignment. Looking back now, I see the value of it. But at that moment, I thought, oh. Just, this is a waste of everybody's time. Why are we doing this? So I'm going to, here's the short version of a very long and detailed assignment. Imagine if you were just drawing a line, you're just, you're drawing this line, and that's your life up to the, you know, up to this point. So this is like when you were born over here, and and you, you go through and you mark off significant boundary points on the line. So you're born, and then you come over here and you go like, let's, let's mark like the first day of school. That was, that's a big one, you know? When you first start to school and you're not home with mom and dad anymore, you're, you're, going, you're going to school, you got a teacher and all that, you're separated from your parents. And, and then uh, maybe you mark off the day that you were saved, that you, know, you, you, you confessed your sins and you accepted Jesus and you, all of that. Yeah, that's a, those are boundary points. And, or the day you got baptized baptized in water or something or maybe the first day of high school that's a biggie you know you're all of a sudden plunged into the depths of high school uh, maybe you mark like the first date with the person that you're your your relationship now your husband or wife your first date or maybe it was when you were in high school and you were the quarterback on the football team or the drum major in the band or the lead in the school play or what you know all of that stuff uh, graduation, those are, those are big milestone markers. College, military service, marriage, your first child, all those. You mark all those things off. So we had to, you know, everybody had to do that. And everyone's was individual. They were all different. But we started, we drew this line, and then we had to mark the date and all that kind of stuff. And along that timeline, when we'd mark all of those, those are boundary points. Something changed in your life. There was a transition from something to something else at every one of those points along that line and we were told to think back dig back into the recess of your, uh, recesses of our memory and identify a significant person who played a significant role at that boundary in your life some of you are doing it right now a parent a grandparent a close friend uh, some of you it was like a coach or a teacher, or a band director, or a youth director at your church, or, or a boss, a mentor, a pastor. Those people who played some significant role and helped move you from that transition point on toward the next transition point successfully. 
I think for most of us, for many of us, at least in this room, I think probably the first, during that first little few years of my life, my mother, that was, you know, that's who I spent most of my time with, was my mother. So my mother was a, a significant person in that, in that first segment. Um, as I was growing up, I'm remembering when I was seven or eight years old, there was an, there was an older lady who was my childhood Sunday school teacher, Sister Reese. Sister Reese was this, this big, large, older woman who just would pull you in and give you these just hugs and love on you. And she patiently taught a bunch of rowdy little boys about Jesus, made us memorize scriptures and all that stuff. Significant person in my development. My third grade teacher, Mrs. Kathy, I thought she was just the nicest, kindest lady that on the earth. I just thought Ms. Kathy was perfect. And, and you know, I actually saw her somewhere at a store one time, and I remember I was in the third grade, and I was in shock because I'd never seen her out of a classroom. And that was the first time I realized teachers exist. I mean, you know what? I mean, they, they, don't, just, they don't just appear in the classroom every day. They're like real people walking around out here buying groceries and stuff. It was like, what? Um... My uncle, Prince Hartley, yep, his name was actually Prince, not the artist formerly known as. His first name was actually Prince. He was a traveling, you know, evangelist going around from church to church, preaching revivals. And he instilled in me a love of the Bible. He quoted in chap entire chapters of the Bible, word for word. He would get up and say, today I'm going to be talking from Matthew chapter 6. And he would quote the entire Matthew chapter 6, just like people back there with the Bible following him, hoping they could catch him in a mistake, but they never did because he was like memorized like major portions of the Bible. And he also introduced me to the miraculous. There are too many stories to begin to tell, but I'll just I'll throw one at you. Uh, he was driving somewhere like, this is way back in the 50s or 60s or something, and no interstates. You know, he's like going some back roads from church A to the next place he had to, do a revival is like two o'clock in the morning everything everything was closed literally everything was closed he's out in the country and he looks at the gas gauge on his old car and it's like it's on empty I mean it's just like bouncing on empty and he just prayed and he said God you know where I got to be <laughs> you know what just got in this gas tank right now you just got to make this you, I'm just depending on you you got to get me to the next place and he drove for hours to the next town and pulled up in the the yard of like the pastor's house or whatever and the car goes <laughs> and he told me those stories and built my faith to believe that yes we serve a God who can do anything the miraculous is, is commonplace it's ordinary it's supposed to be that way uh, another milestone like my high school band director Frank Kenday, talk about a tough love character. Uh, you know that little baton that they direct with? That thing really hurts when it gets sailed across the room at you and you mess up. <laughs> thing will hit you right in the middle of the forehead and leave you on the floor. I can attest to that because <laughs> I was on the rowdy back row in the percussion section, Pablo. Uh, that was always where the rowdy stuff was going on and he would be like right in the middle of conducting and he would go and just sail that thing and plop it right in. I've had several youth leaders and pastors who made like indelible imprints on my life. Uh, one of them will be here next Sunday night with us. Um, 
guy named Larry Biggers. I'll tell you Larry Biggers' stories later, but uh, he's actually coming in visiting with us this week, and he'll be here next Sunday night. So on my timeline, I, I drew the line. I marked all the significant transitions, these boundaries, and I named these people who were influential in propelling me forward toward the next boundary. And I actually wrote a few paragraphs about each one of them, detailing what role they played in my life. And, and as I was doing that exercise, I actually felt prompted of the Lord to actually contact a few of them that I knew I had. I was still in contact with a few. I knew they were alive and I knew where they were. And I, I was able to track down you know, phone numbers or maybe Facebook messages or something. And I was able to thank them and tell them what they'd meant to me and what a role that they had played in bringing me to where I am now. We, we sing this song sometimes about, you know, like, look at where I am right now. You know, look at this where I've been. This is where I am now. Uh, and that went from a drudgery assignment to this really personal, meaningful exercise in thankfulness once I started to contact people and say, I just, I'm doing this exercise at school and I just got to tell you, you know, what, a, what an impact you've made on my life. And as I'm telling you these stories, some of you are mentally noting people from your own life, from your past experience, who helped shape you in significant ways. Yes, anybody? Yep. It's inevitable. You're thinking about, wow, this pastor, this youth director, this coach, this, this school teacher, this, this person in my life. It's an important figure in my life. See, when you're going through life, you don't, you don't really know how all this is going to work out. You don't know how it's going to work out. You're literally just stumbling from one thing to the next, thinking like, okay, well, this is where I'm going now, and we're going to do this. And then later, you look back and you realize how it all worked out. But sometimes you're just so overwhelmed, really, in the moment. It's just all you can do to get through today. Been there. You're just trying to make it through that day and get to sleep so you can get up the next morning and push again to get through that day. Some of you can relate to that. That's not really life, is it? I mean, not really. It's, it's what you're going through maybe, but that's not really, that's not, that doesn't sound like abundant life, does it? Struggling just like, I'm just gonna, I'll just push real hard and hope I can make it through today and then I'll sleep and get up tomorrow and I'll push real hard and hope I can make it through that day and then if I do that, then I get a chance to do it another day on the third day and you're like, there's gotta be more than this. You're, you're not really all focused on tomorrow, much less taking time to reflect on years past. In fact, you're, you're being shaped or you're being influenced or guided by someone and you can't even see it in the moment. You don't even realize that that's happening in the moment. Somebody's mentoring you or discipling you or, or leading you and you don't realize it until later. At the moment, it's just like life. Uh, we have this picture of reunions demographics here. I think they've got that. Yeah, so this is what, this is the demographics of our church right here. And you see it's automatically sort of divided into age categories. And you can look that it's like heavily, heavily slanted. You know, over there on the right, that's the AARP card people, those two bars on the right. Yeah, 
That's the guys that got a little bit more white in their whiskers and their hair or no hair or, you know, standing out on the top hair. And that's on the right. But, but some of you guys, a lot of you, most of you guys, let's just say that, are in that like maybe 19 to 50. I mean, that's where we kind of peak right in there. You don't, you don't see all this. You're just living it. You're, you're, not, you're not seeing it right now. But we have one, those people on the right-hand side over there, we have one advantage, one benefit of you, and that is hindsight and experience. We have hindsight. We can look back and go like, yep, I went through that, and I survived it because of the grace of God. I'm here. We, we take the long view. We have a lifetime perspective that some of you don't have. Actually, looking at life in the rearview mirror brings some things in really sharp focus. I'm just telling you. I'll be 72 on, what, Thursday, I guess? That wasn't an applause line, but thank you. Uh, And I got to tell you, a lot of things in my past are way more crystal clear than they were when I was 42 or 32. When I was 32, I was still trying to figure it out. When I was 42, I knew I didn't have anything figured out. (laughs) So, you know, in doing this kind of boundary processing exercise, you start to build this list of all these different people who made a big difference in every stage of your life. And that's really inspiring. Yeah, I mean, it's not a seminary assignment for you, but it's a fun thing to just sit in your journal and go like, wow, when I was a young kid this person really this person made a huge impact on my life but there's this big important realization that hit me when I was doing the timeline and that was that some people came through my life but I don't know where they are now I have no idea they came through impacted me and just gone some people were in your life for a reason some people are in your life for a season. That's just a fact. But there's one constant that was just super apparent to me as I was doing this exercise throughout the length of my whole personal timeline, transcending every season, every one of those age ranges, every phase of life, and that was Jesus was always with me. People came, people went, situations came and went. Uh, jobs, positions, titles uh, came and went. Jesus was the constant in every part of that. When I was a kid, a little kid, before I even understand the concept, I didn't understand the concept of Jesus. I didn't understand who he was. And there were these situations, like sometimes life-threatening dangers, sickness, messy stuff. And with the benefit of hindsight, I I can look back at that now and see that his constant presence kept me and sustained me and preserved me. Even through periods in my younger years where I was running from him and I I was living in disobedience. I was, look, I look at some of these young 18, 19, 20-year-olds and it blesses me so much to see them plugged in and on fire for Jesus. I mean, it blesses me so much because that wasn't me I was rotten when I was that age I was rotten i just tell you I was not the exemplary Christian young man I mean you know I wanted to be but I wasn't even through those years though 
His presence hovered over me and he drew me back to himself by loving me consistently, constantly loving me. He would not let me go. And it's like, kind of like the picture of the, you know, the hook was set in the jaw and he would just keep, he'd, he'd let me have a little line and he'd reel me back in gently, get me in the boat. More than the parents, more than the teachers, more than the band directors and the youth leaders and the pastors and teach whatever. The single most stable, sure foundation in my life has been Jesus. Period, exclamation point, whatever. That's, that's, been the sure, that's been the one sure foundation through everything. His name literally Emmanuel literally means God with us. Literally with us. And he has been with me through the best of times and the worst of times. And he has been, the scripture says, Psalm 46, 1 through 3, he's an ever-present help. It says God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give away and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, we will not fear. Why? Because God is our refuge and strength and he's an ever-present help in trouble. As I sort of pressed into this message this week, well, more like past couple of weeks I've been chewing on this thought I've had a real sense that there were going to be people in this room tonight and maybe some people watching this message online live or later who have started to feel that God has abandoned you you feel like your prayer is worthless because it seems like your cries are just bouncing off the ceiling. Oh, I've been there. I've been through se- periods of my life where I'm saying like, God, why are you not listening to me? Hello, do you hear me? I'm down here talking to you and I'm getting nothing. And it felt like, <laughs> felt like a hit in the ceiling and bouncing back to the floor. And yet, I can look back now at my age in this place on the timeline over here not back here where, where that was going on I'm at this place now and I'm looking back at that timeline and I go oh he was right there how did I not see his hand at work in that situation okay I, I'll stick my neck out here some of you when you were younger maybe a teenager maybe a young adult you prayed wanting to marry a certain person you, you had your eye on a girl or a guy and you prayed how many of you are thankful God hurt, did not answer that prayer the way you th- <sighs> some of you would have been in a big mess if you had gotten what you wanted instead of what God knew you needed you know it some of you right now feel like your life is spiraling out of control I have been there. Brother, I have been there. 
Some of you feel like everything you've trusted, everything you've placed your hope in, just seems so distant you can't even see it clearly anymore. It's like, like right now, I have these bright lights in my face, and I can basically sort of see, I can see Carter and Marina, and I can see maybe Shane, and you know, I can see a few people, but you folks who are about third row back, you're just a blur because these bright lights in my face. That's the way you feel sometimes. You feel like, I can't see God's hand at work. I just don't, I'm in this situation. I'm not, I'm not seeing anything working out. What is going on here? Some of you suffered loss. Death, bankruptcy, divorce, all kinds, you know, loss. Some of you are in relationships that are so badly damaged you've started to give up and lose hope. For some of you, God seems so distant, so remote, so detached that you ask, God, if you are really out there, if you really love me, where are you? I, I can't hear you. I can't feel you. And I just don't see your hand in any of this. I'm about to dump a bunch of scriptures on you. Get ready. Sometimes we can feel God. And sometimes we can sense His presence. And sometimes, folks, we walk by faith and not by sight. There are times where you feel absolutely nothing. And that period may go for a week, a month, a year. You know, it can go. And you have to say, yes, I don't feel anything. But I know, in who, I know what I believe. I know who I believe in. And I know He's faithful. If you've served Jesus for any length of time, you've probably been through a valley season that just feels overwhelmingly lonely. And if you're just going by feelings, you won't make it through those seasons. Because you'll say, I don't feel anything, so it must not be real. Can't feel anything. Going to go the other way. Sometimes when you can't hear God's present voice through the storm that you're in, you have to remind yourself of what He has already said. Some of you have had prophetic words spoken over you that didn't come true. And maybe it was a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago. I have literally gone back and remembered some prophetic words that were spoken over me that did not come to pass for ten or twelve years. And then, boop, it happened. And I would look back and go, oh man, I remember when that word was spoken on me and I had given up. I had... I had pushed that back and filed that away thinking they missed it. That's, that's not going to happen. They had to have missed it because I just don't see this happening. And there it comes. His word is true. His word will never fail. And that includes his written word. That includes the Bible. We're plunged into this period of time where we're feasting on the word of God. Sometimes that's all you've got to lean back on is what you can read, what he's already said in the word of God. And you have to be able to stand on that. We're going to read a few passages of scripture. The 23rd Psalm. Everybody knows it. But the fourth verse says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley... I will fear no evil, for you're with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even when I'm going through the darkest valley of my life, the worst situation that I can possibly imagine going through, I'm not going to be afraid of it. Because why? You're with me. You're right there with me. God hasn't gone anywhere. He doesn't take vacations. He doesn't take time off. He's with you. Whatever you're going through. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But, here's Terry Ruddle's life verse. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I know that you've got to eat. You've got to put gas in your car. You gotta, you gotta have clothes, you gotta have shelter. You, I know that all those things are important, but they are not the reason you were placed on this earth. You were placed on this earth to exalt God. Do that first and then trust Him for all that other stuff. We've been through some tough times. Not gonna recite the whole thing, but Amy and I have been through some times. We've been through broke times. I, and when I say broke, I don't mean not touching our savings account. I mean going through the couch cushions and looking for change, you know. Broke times. And yet God has been faithful to us always. Always, always faithful to us. I mean, we're not missing meals, you know. We're <laughs> we could probably stand to miss a few meals. But we're not missing any meals. Isaiah chapter 41. All who rage against you surely will be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. You ever felt like somebody had it in for you? Oh, I, I have. I've actually had people who had it in for me. The scriptures are assurance that he is with you. He is right there at your right hand hanging on to you and saying, don't fear, I'm going to help you. Don't you worry about that. No, I'll take care of that. Let me fight your battles for you. It's going to be all right. Psalm 138. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. 
Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes, and your right, with your right hand you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Some of you are going through stuff, right? I mean, like, right, you're right in the middle of stuff that you think, this is it, I don't, this is it. I, there's no recovering from this, this is just horrible. This is, this is the way it's all gonna end right here. And I'm telling you tonight, no it's not. No it's not. Because Matthew 28, 20 says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Have you felt like the Lord has walked away and abandoned you? I'm gonna tell you tonight that he has not taken one step away from you not one step you say well yeah but I'm like out of his will I mean I moved way over here out of his will he's right there with you he's right there with you he hasn't gone anywhere he's as close as the mention of his name you say Pastor Gary you have no idea what I've done don't care don't care what you've done he's still right there ready ready to rescue you from whatever situation you're in Deuteronomy 31 says be strong and courageous do not be afraid or terrified because of them for the Lord your God goes with you he will what does it say he will never leave you nor forsake you never he won't do it he will not leave you we have a prayer team and I'm going to ask them to kind of find a place over here on the side right now if you're if you're where you can move prayer team people because I feel like there's some people here tonight who need some assurance that the Lord is with them I mean everybody if you can stand with me where you are I appreciate it I'm just going to tell you no matter what you're walking through right now and it may be horrendous. I, I, I'm not trying to discount what you're walking through. I know some of you go through stuff that is just absolutely horrendous. Whatever you're walking through, he's with you. He's walking through it with you. No matter what season of life you're in right now, he's with you. No matter how bad your situation looks to you, he's with you. No matter what lies the enemy is whispering to discourage you, and I know, boy, I've heard that voice a lot. The lies of the enemy. You're on your own on this one, buddy. You've stepped out too far on this one. You created this mess yourself. God's not going to get you out of this. I've heard all those lies. They're lies. He's with you. No matter how tempted you may be to throw up your hands and give up, He is with you. He is for you. He is not mad at you. There's a there was a church in Huntsville, Alabama that met in a, a, a motel. They had bought an old motel. And I, I always, every time I would go past and see the sign on their marquee, I would just smile. It was, a, it was the best thing. It said, God's not mad at you no matter what. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He preserves your life. He's saying to you right now, tonight, do not fear. I'll help you. He will never leave you 
nor forsake you. You are more valuable than the birds of the air. He knows your needs and he cares about them. He remains your refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. And he's here right now for you. I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm just going to invite you. If you need prayer for anything, they're going to move out here in the front and, and during this prayer and, and just come and let them pray for you and, and remind you how much God loves you and how much with you he is. Lord, in any crowd this size, they're just people going through all kind of stuff going through tough things. Some of them are facing things tomorrow morning when they get out of bed that they don't want to have to face. And here you are tonight to remind them that you are with them. You have not forsaken them. You will never forsake them. You will not walk away from them. And Lord, I pray for every person who's listening to this tonight that you will reassure them of not only your love and your forgiveness, but also your everlasting presence with them. You are always with us. We're so thankful that we have a God that we serve who doesn't, you're not distant off somewhere, Lord. You're not sitting up there in, in outer space somewhere away from us, but you are right here, right now, in this room, around us, with us, in us, working through us. And we praise you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For more teaching like this, subscribe to this podcast. If you would like more information about Reunion Hawaii Church, our website is reunionhawaii.com. If you're in Honolulu, join us Sundays at 5, live at Kahalama. Aloha.